As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ping.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific time and learn how to live a peaceful life with intentional mastery. Enjoy a survey of inspiring topics such as abundance, intention, health, manifestation, love, and transformation. It's all right here. Leading authors, speakers, coaches, entrepreneurs with stories and messages to support your well-being, let alone your most evocative dreams hey 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 it's another groovy day and that's mostly because i make it that way and of course today is life mastery radio day yay as always you know i really like to get myself centered and connected and all set for the show so let's just take a minute and do that and i like to Reach way up high and wiggle those wrists and shake those fingers and maybe stretch those elbows back a little and let's come down to the shoulders and roll those shoulders around and stretch that back out really good. And let's take in a deep breath. And let that breath out with a big ah and just let that essence flow right from your solar plexus up through your heart center and out of your speaker box. Ah, just consciously connect to that which you get power from. Ah, let's do that one more time. And out with a big ah and let those dreams, visions, and goals just flow right through you, up through your heart center, and allow the universe, or whatever it is that you believe in, the opportunity to make those come true for you. Uh, oh my goodness, today is kind of a special day. It's not very often that Todd flies solo, but Debbie, as you know, is out of town. She is working on a book, and many of the regular listeners know that she was acquainted with a special Olympian. And she was so compelled and so moved that she decided to write a book about her life. And so this week she is in Kentucky and interviewing. It's just amazing how far she's taken this because she's interviewing the doctors and the teachers and the counselors. And, of course, this young person who is ment mentally disabled 
and a gold medal recipient. But Debbie is just getting all into her story. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. So if Debbie, if you're listening, hi, Debbie. Yay. We wish you the best in creating this book. I want to remind the listeners that today's show page is located at www.lifemasteryradio.net and you can find links to my guest's homepage, her website, and anything else that we happen to talk about on the show today. What else? While you're at the website, there's a link to my book. You can go and check out my book. I would really appreciate it. And after you love that book and love the ideas, go to Amazon and leave me some great feedback. You can also sign up for the newsletter. The newsletter goes out weekly and it talks about who's been on the show, who's coming on the show, and anything pertinent to what's going on in Life Mastery Radio land. Okay. So, without Debbie, I don't have any housekeeping issues. She usually does a pretty good job, and we don't know exactly what she's up to, but we kind of have a good idea. So, I'm just going to jump right into it. My guest today is Dr. Jen Martin, and she is a trained psychotherapist and sex therapist in private practice. She specializes in working with couples and individuals on a wide variety of relationship and sexual issues. After completing her doctorate in psychology, she began to work with clients to integrate research on sacred sexuality. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, so hold on to your hats. This is going to be cool stuff. In the context of helping clients increase intimacy and their relationships. And that's the whole point of today's show. We're going to open that door wide open. The focus of her practice is helping couples realize their sexual potential by creating a present heart-centered connection. She believes in the mystery of sexual healing as practiced throughout the ancient world. Dr. Jen is a member of the World Association of Sexual Health and the American Psychology Association. She has lectured at the American Psychology Association's Mid-Year Division 36 Conference at Loyola University, as well as several professional organizations. Dr. Jen presents the following topics. Oops, I forgot that part. But today we will be talking about her forthcoming book, What Was Jesus' Hidden Message About Sacred Sexuality? Dr. Jen, welcome to the show today, my friend. How are you? Thanks, Todd. Great to be here. And you can call me Jen. Jen. Hi, Jen. So we're kind of, we're kind of stepping out there a little bit today and we want to talk about some things. But I think most importantly, I think to begin with, we should define a couple of things. And along the lines of sacred sexuality, there is, there is this big buzzword that a lot of people have heard, but I'm not sure they understand. So let's define it. What is the Kundalini experience or what does Kundalini mean? Okay. Well, we're going to go right to it. Okay. So Kundalini is the sacred energy that is at the base of the spine. So Kundalini in Vedic means coiled one, which the image that's often associated with it is the serpent. 
And I can go into a whole long thing about that in terms of images and Garden of Eden and everything, but I'm not going to go there. All I'm going to say right now is that awakening the Kundalini energy is part of many spiritual paths, and there's many different ways to do that. There are meditation practices. There are dance chanting practices. And there is also the sacred sexual practice. Now, a lot of times people think about that and they immediately think about Eastern um, practices, Tantra and so forth. But there's actually quite a strong teaching that comes from actually ancient Egypt and alchemical, te- uh, the, al- the alchem- alchemical marriage uh, as taught by goddess Isis. And that has been carried right through to inform Jewish mysticism, and then what my work is about is the Gnostic Gospel of Philip, and it actually um, it, it follows through right into that writing. So, is the Kundalini? Is that something we feel? Is it something we connect to? Is it something that everybody has? How does this work in our life? And 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 what is the effort that we need to make? I guess to experience it. Okay. Yeah, so it is It is not a, something that our conscious mind really has any part to play in it. It's actually uh, something that our spirit can activate, but we really need to get the ego out of the way. And so it's, it's about doing a practice that takes us into a deeper state of mind. And in the introduction to the show, and on, actually on the, the little blurb that we posted on the website, it talked about uh, tapping into source energy. And what this really is, is this is source energy. This is that life force energy that is in every plant and every live living thing that we see around us. It's the life force. And so really what we're talking about is tapping into that life force energy that's really, in most of us, unless we had some kind of awakening experience, it is lying dormant and actually activating it is a large part of being on a spiritual path, being awakened and accessing your powers as your superhuman power, so to speak, as a human being. Nice. Well, we'll get more into that. But you did say something that I keyed in on, and that is the ego and the soul force and how that all works. And, you know, my understanding of the ego, I started off with, I really like the acronym of the ego with something that edges God out of our life. And then I came to the conclusion that the ego is like this roadblock that blocks God from flowing through the, through us, right? And, and the ego wants to stand there and say, and take control and take power. And, you know, I really, I really had a huge awakening once I figured out that I could put a throttle on my ego. I think we all need the ego, but how does the ego play then into the whole sacred sex and and the sex between the two partners? How does that play out? Right. Well, first of all, I think I should mention something that Krishna Murdy said, and that is the day you teach the child the name of the bird, the child will never see that bird again. And I recognize we've jumped right into this whole topic, and a lot of people might be, you know, thinking, what the heck does this, what are we really talking about here? Because normally, 
sex in Western culture is pretty much synonymous with intercourse. And it's something that happens for seven minutes on average, research shows. <laughs> and there's just really, you know, the, talking about uh, spirituality in this context, it, it can kind of just could be completely confusing to some people. But there is a very long history of these things not being separate, of them being one and the same. And uh, the French people, the, they they knew this. They have a, a, a long history of knowing this. And the word orgasm in French means little death. So the idea here being that sex can be almost a meditation where you're not consciously, you're not in that part of your brain that is the part of your brain that does, takes care of tasks at work and and remembers things and is consciously alert. You're in a deeper part of your brain. And in that and we're not just talking about orgasm here. We're talking about the whole thing, right? But being in that part of your uh, mind allows you to access your your spiritual uh, your spiritual capabilities and so forth. And that's when it and that's what we're talking about when we talk about soul, the spirit, the soul being activated uh, in in sacred sex as opposed to the ego. And the ego. So how how does the ego interfere? How can we understand how that how the ego plays a part in the separation? So in today's world, if we turn on the news and we see all these different yeah. scandals, right? What we basically have in the world today is ego-driven sex. And that's what you look at the internet, you look at porn and stuff. And by the way, porn's been around forever. It's just how women are depicted and how the act is depicted is very, very different in Neolithic and Paleolithic times than now. But what we see today is this, what, what has been dubbed the performance model of sex, which is basically it's ego-driven. There's a certain outcome. Usually it's based on just a physical release because that's all is understood that it's, it's all about. And there's no even conception that it can be anything else. But Dr. Gina Ogden brought forth the idea that sex can be a multidimensional experience after interviewing a number of women on that topic. And she showed that there are there is the an experience. It's not the predominant experience that most people have, but the experience of it being something that connects to to deeper aspects of yourself. And this is actually part of the mystery school teachings that was known for a very long time. And it was actually called the great work because it is was through the sacred union, through sacred sex, that people could access parts of themselves that were truly magical, that were truly mystical, that allowed them to be, go beyond this time-space dimension and so forth to really access something that was a, basically a portal to other dimensions. Right. Well, let's drill down in this just a little bit because this is fascinating. You know, I'm always fascinated with what the ancients believed and how it worked and what they thought. And I, I often put myself in that time zone, right? So it's like I travel back in time and what would I be experiencing? But you said, so in today's world, it's pretty much the norm to have a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, seven minutes long and we're done. Right. Right. And I think everybody can relate to that experience. 
So what does it look like? What What's different about sacred sex versus the wham-bam thinking there? Well, that's a good question because, you know, some people think that it's this prissy, polite, clinical, non-passionate experience. And that's just wrong. It's that it's not. It, you know, I think about this, the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs in the Bible, which is very non-typical for the Bible. But that passage relates to some of the Sumerian poetry from the goddess Inanna that dates way back and talks about sex in this different in this different way. And so basically it is passionate. Women are not subordinate in, in these in these teachings. But it, it involves more than just your conscious mind trying to make something happen or direct something to happen. So it, uh, uh, what the Gospel of Philip and some of these other mystery school teachings talk about is the fact that this is a shift in perception. And when, when you uh, perceive something differently, you can have a different experience. So most of what we experience in sex has to do with how we think about the the, the subject. Our greatest, our, what has been said is the, the biggest sex organ we have in our body is our brain. Right. So it's how we think about it changes it. And one of the passages in the Gnostic Gospel of Philip talks about, um, it, it relates to the fact of how we, what we intend in the act, right? So, so the ego would go into the sexual experience and say, I want, I have to have, she's here for me, he's here for me, or I want, the ego can go in and say, because we see this in Hollywood all the, or, you know, just in our culture all the time, right? There's sex is used to manipulate the other person for something. Sex is used to have, um, to, to, I mean, people have sex when they're angry to try to, make up or just to get revenge sometimes um and then there's the i want this person because i want to feel better in myself and there's really so all of those things there's a common denominator and that is your heart chakra is shut down so you can't use another person when your heart center is fully open and it's interesting in these ancient times the word lust was not thought of as a bad word in fact, in ancient Germanic language, lust is translated as religious joy. It's it, And the teaching was that if your chakras are open, and especially your heart chakra, and you're channeling this strong energy of sexual desire, then it's, it's actually a gift from God. I mean, it was one and the same as a spiritual experience. It's only when your, your heart chakra is shut down, which we see all the time in depicted uh, images in in our media and you're engaging in the physical action right so sacred sex is not so much about positions and putting your body in a certain position and so forth we're, we're not talking about commerce sutra positions here what we're talking about is an internal shift to intend for the experience to bring you closer to your divine essence closer to the other person's divine essence. And in the Judeo-Christian mystical teachings, there's the experience that people talk about of experiencing a third. So there's two people there and this kind of mystical unity tri um, uh, trinity happens where you actually have this 
like bizarre feeling of a third entity there. And, and this is what can happen when you're really merging with that deeper part of yourself. Right. I'm reminded where two or more are present. I am there. Yeah, totally. And the one flesh union that the Bible talks about. So I believe that a lot of this stuff is coded in the Bible. It's not in your face because we got to remember this stuff was not taught openly to everyone. This stuff was taught in mystery schools. So it was only the initiates, people that had gone through a lot of training, kind of life mastery training, to be able to master their thoughts, to master their mind, before they started working with sexual energy. Because the thing about Kundalini is that if you uh, don't have yourself, if you're running on a lot of fear in your body or running on a lot of anger or something, and you inadvertently are in an experience where your Kundalini rises, you can go insane. You can lose touch with reality if this tremendous life force energy raises in your body and your 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 emotional body is not cleared. And one of the first uh, or one of the longest parts of the initiation process that um, initiates went through in these sacred mystery schools having to do with sacred sex was a purification, purification of body and purification of, of mind. And it wasn't this what we think about, for instance, in the evangelical movement movement that you have to get rid of desire to be pure. No, desire was considered pure in these mystery schools. It was getting rid of the lower vibrational, um, getting rid of lower vibrations in the body. And that's not to say that any of the, quote, negative emotions are bad and you can never feel them. It's, it's letting them and not blocking them in your body. So just letting them move through you, but purging all of that before you go into the sexual experience. Nice. I, I do want to remind our regular listeners that usually interact with the show. Debbie's not here today. I'm sorry. So usually you connect with her on Facebook and send us your questions. So go ahead and connect with me. I'm easy to find on Facebook, Todd Allen Cutaback or Todd Allen. Just search for it and shoot me a message if you have a question or something that you want to know out know about with my guest today Dr. Jen then just go ahead and type it out and I'll read it on the show I'm also going to remind you that if you want to interact with us through the radio you can call in to 844-390-8255 and the engineer my famous engineer Cam will mix you with us and we'll get you the answer that you're looking for. Again, that's 844-390-8255. Okay, Dr. Jen, so that that was a really good description. And, man, you just have so much knowledge. This, this is a field that I have a feeling there aren't very many experts in the world. And you're blazing a trail. Can you Can you maybe define that for us a little bit? I have so much I want to talk about, but I do want to – yeah, go ahead. Well, I will say that I always thought I was going to be a religious minister. <laughs> I, I, that's exactly what I thought I was going to be. And here I am, a sex therapist talking about Jesus's teachings about sex, which I think is a really kind of a funny thing. But you know what? It, it, you don't have to, it's the thing. I grew up in the Catholic, Irish Catholic. Um, I was born in Ireland and was educated by the nuns and Sex was bad. Sex was dirty. The, the thing that was programmed into my head was 
sex is dirty, so save it for the one you love. That was our little thing as girls to be virgins. And, 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 um, but you know, it creates this huge block in your mind. Like, okay, well then how do all of a sudden do I become intimate and sensual and passionate when I'm married? Uh, just, yeah, a lot of issues there, but, um, it was trying to overcome my own fears about the topic. Uh, I actually came from a family where there was some people who had gone into the seminary and the convent and had been sexually abused through that process. So we have that legacy in my family too. And even though spirituality was a strong pull in my life from early on, the I never never really felt close to traditional religion ever. I just never felt close to it. I never felt like it was feeding my soul. So in my 20s, I uh, you know wanting to to actually be in a long-term relationship I decided to try to find a way to reconcile my spiritual, you know, thoughts and feelings with sexuality and to look out there to see if there was any teachings on this. And I was aware that there was teachings on Tantra, but for whatever reason, I I didn't want to go in that direction. I wanted to see if there was anything in the line of, you know, from from Christianity and, and back in Western culture and and that's when I stumbled upon um, some writings, actually, that had to do with uh, Mary Magdalene. And one thing led to another, and I ended up finding this Gospel of Philip. And I was intrigued by the fact that all of the scholarly people who have spent their entire lives looking at this particular text, which was discovered in 1945 by a... By a um, farmer in Egypt. That's the Nag Hammadi text. Right, right. The Gospel of Philip. And I was, you know, I went to all of the experts to hear what they had to say, the Harvard Divinity School, Yale, Yale School and all of that. And they were really sure that it wasn't so much about the, the, the flowery language in there, which is definitely not lit, literal language. It's more written in, in symbols and poetry type form. And so it's ambiguous. What was it when they use uh, words that seem to talk about romantic things, passionate uh, things, and so forth? Are they? Is it really about sex? Is that what the the, the gospel writer meant? Well, what, nobody knows. And all of these uh, people in these major Ivy League universities were saying, absolutely not. Jesus did not intend this to be. But then there was one researcher that I found in Cambridge University, Mary Sharp who absolutely believed, and it's interesting, her and I have had conversations, and we talked about the fact that you kind of have to have sacred sex to see it's there, right? So because I had my own experiences of Kundalini awakening and and during sex, I'm like, oh my God, the gospel of Philip is totally talking about this. And when I talked to Mary, who wrote her dissertation at Cambridge on this topic, she agreed. Once you have the experience, your mind opens, your mind shifts, and this this gospel, which, again, is written more in a symbolic level and a literal level. It's not written like the regular um, Bible. It speaks to this. But uh, but even what, what uh, was particularly fascinating to me is I said, what made you write this other than your own you know, experience of this? What made you put your dissertation together on this? And what she talked about was the fact that in the about 150 years after Jesus uh, was on earth, 
there were a number of people that were trying to weed out which of Jesus's teachings were not going to be um, sanctioned and which ones were. And there was people in the church at that time who were adamant to write and to denounce the ones that had to do with the feminine, the ones that had to do with saying that the body wasn't evil and, and so forth. So there was about 50 different texts that were floating around at the, the years after Jesus is, um, was on earth and a few hundred years after Jesus was on earth. And people were following, had free choice, which, which they wanted to follow, more of the mystical, esoteric, sacred sexual thing or more of the, you know, the more literal orthodox. But it, it, it wasn't until later that some of the ones were banned. Anyway, this particular individual who uh, lived in the second century was named, I, I, I have a trouble um, pronouncing his name, but I believe it's Irenaeus. And, and he wrote a, a book called, which is still available, called Against Heresy. He wrote that book in 150 AD. And in that book, he's refuting all of these more mystical teachings that were not as public about Jesus's teachings. They were more inner circle type teachings, basically him and Mary Magdalene, one might say, and, God, and Philip and a few others. And um, so this guy, Arrhenius, uh, wrote in Against Heresies how he was denouncing, criticizing, putting down the gospel of Philip because he didn't agree with the whole topic of sex being spiritual. So in his criticism of it, we have the, the, the most clear evidence that this actually was the intended purpose of this text. It was to bring forth the idea that, that in, there is something about embodied spirituality, that there's something very sacred about um, in fact, the Gospel of Philip says the holiest of the holies is the bridal chamber, and the bridal chamber is coded for sex. So, in, in, in what Mary Sharp, in her Cambridge uh, dissertation, says is that these texts represent what could quite possibly be Jesus's original Christian message that it's not denying our desires, it's not denying our body, it's not venerating suffering, it's actually through the, our physical body, it's through love, it's through romantic union and sex that um, we create the most, we have the most mystical experiences. And what's interesting is we now have brain science to prove that. Mm. And yeah, so that was maybe a longer answer. Oh, no, no, no. I'm fast. It's just fascinating. And I'm going to take the opportunity right now to collect my thoughts. I mean, this woman is very knowledgeable. I am so impressed. I'm fascinated with what the ancients thought and how they worked. And this is really good stuff. So let's just take a minute and collect our thoughts. And we'll be right back right after this. You've listened to the shows on CTR, and perhaps you've found yourself thinking, maybe I should host my own show, but I don't know how. It's easier than you think. From the beginning with private coaching sessions to your own live broadcasts, 
CTR Network will prepare you on every level to share your knowledge, expand your brand, and take your business to the next level. At CTR, we nurture your vision and make it a radio reality. Contact Cameron Steele at 425-221-3646 or Cameron at CTRnetwork.com and put your dream into motion today. Welcome back to Life Mastery Radio. My guest today is Dr. Jen, and she is a psychotherapist and sex therapist. And when I introduced her before, I kind of let on that she talks about the following topics. And if these are interesting to you and you would like her to come and speak to your group or you want to know more, these are her topics. Sex and quantum physics, which is very cool. Sacred sex and the Gnostic Gospels. Co-creating a new narrative for sex in American culture. Ding, 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 ding. I think that's really big. And if we get to that topic, I really want to deep dive into that. I'm going to have to have Dr. Jen back because there is so much to talk about. But one thing, before the break, we started to really get into, you know, beliefs and belief systems. And I want to just drill down in that just a little bit in, in, in the beliefs that are pretty prevalent today, I mean, you talked about how the Council of Nicaea, I think that's what you were referencing, kind of put a throttle on things. They didn't want this knowledge, and, and maybe rightfully so, who's to know? I'm not to judge what they decided, but this this knowledge has been kind of lost. So how is it that our beliefs are interfering with us today? Is that the question that I want to ask, or what do you think? Well, I, I mean, you're interested to know what the question is. Well, I, I think that does tie back to the Christian Murdy, uh, the Christian Murdy quote, which is, as soon as a child learns the name of a bird, it can no longer see the bird. So sex can be this, sex was known as a mystery in ancient times, as something that was not just two body parts coming together and, and a physical release. It was known to have this otherworldly quality as a multi-dimensional experience and you know the illusion illusion mysteries which went on for thousands of years as well as the the heroes gamos ritual which was practiced as far back as 40,000 years ago was all about honoring this aspect of our humanity and our divinity through sacred ritual and it was very much a part of their of cultures in in matriarchal time and and also when society was more egalitarian and what's interesting is in cultures that are more um patriarchal we'll just use that word i mean it is still a valid word they tend to be more sexually repressive and they tend to have more of a control over women's sexuality and uh, to to have more of the whole topic is more suppressed. But when you look back in times where the, the feminine was venerated in terms of spirituality and the, the society was more egalitarian, then the 
sex is actually quite permissive. The topic was open and um, men and women, they didn't walk around in shame around the topic. In fact, the last known culture like this was 3,500 years ago in modern day Crete, which is the Minoan culture. And the standard dress of a woman was bare-breasted and a very tight bodice for the rest of her her outfit, skirt. And then a man's, his crotch area, that part of his dress was very tight. And they, that was not their, their Saturday evening wear. That was like their normal daily wear. So they didn't walk around thinking, oh, I have to cover up. And interestingly enough, in this day of Me Too and all of that, interestingly enough, is rape was not something that, um, it was actually thought it was archaeologists and researchers and so forth that have gone back to these sites. There's hardly any evidence. It's thought that rape was virtually um, non-existent in cultures that were uh, worshipped the feminine. And so, you know, it's interesting that when we look at the situation today, it's not the idea to dominate a woman and to act violently towards her in a sexual way is not hardwired into men. It's socially conditioned. And and that's where what what when you're asking about beliefs, our our the our behaviors, our sexual behaviors come from our beliefs, right? All behavior comes from what we think, right? But there's a huge aspect of this that isn't just from our personal history. It's from our collective history. And uh, if you look at like Joseph Campbell's work, he talks about whoever controls the myth controls the beliefs in a society. So even if you're not, I mean, there's a lot of people listening and, and myself included who wouldn't go around and necessarily call herself Christian anymore. But the fact that, I, well, I should qualify that. I'm not part of an institutional religion, but I, I, I do believe in um, a lot of that thought, as well as many um, world um, views on spirituality. But being living in Western culture, we it's it's what's formed the foundation of our culture is this Christian Judeo Christian belief around sex. An example of that is when Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction happened at the Super Bowl. There was a public outcry. People, I mean, it's the puritanical culture coming up again and again. I mean, on the one hand, our culture is hypersexualized, where sex is in your face and you know, porn sites are everywhere. But on the other hand, we only want to do that in private, and we don't really want to talk about it. We don't want to admit it. We don't even want to talk about sex with our doctor. And so, on the other hand, we're we're we act like you know, sex is not for polite conversation. But that disconnect is really is is not healthy and it it's not surprising that all the fallout we have today with the misuse of sexual energy is happening and i believe it's a real time for healing on this topic because we need to be able to have normal healthy discussions about it and get rid of the shame and look at new ways to uh, view the topic nice you know i it this this just reminds me of a belief a belief that I had that, you know, sex was the bonus of a good relationship, right? 
and and now I'm kind of understanding that a, a good relationship is the bonus of good sex or a sacred sex. Can you speak to that a little bit? Is is that is that like is that a revelation that men need to understand? I know in Jewish here I'm just kind of going round and round, but Jewish mysticism really teaches that you know a man is all about pleasing a woman and you know it's her it's her decision and there's not to be any force involved in that and he is really all about creating this sacred sex feeling this kundalini experience for both of them and and they both play a major part in that can you speak to that a little bit did I did I confuse you? Let's find out. Let's see what she says. Well, in ancient times, it was the woman that was basically looked to as the more more uh, her her body was seen as a conduit for the divine. And even though, of course, the kundalini energy is dormant in every person, but the, the a lot of the rituals, the Hieroskamas ritual, and so forth, was the was the woman being the conduit and the man receiving from the woman, which is the flip opposite of what we're told today or what I grew up with, the idea of the woman being the passive participant and the man being the active. Um, it's, it's the opposite. It's it's through the honoring of the, the, honoring of the feminine. And as, as you said, in, in, the, um, in the Jewish mysticism, what was your question? <laughs> I kind of spun it around. What was your question? <laughs> well, it's just my whole thought Oh, about I get you. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Okay, so, yeah, so here's the thing. In the Jewish mysticism, they believed, and this is exactly what I see in the Gospel of Philip, in which I believe that Jesus um, was behind that, is that the reason why sex has this tremendous power, and we know, even in today's world, gosh, the sex industry brings in more money than the drug industry and the sports industry combined, right? So sex sells, but there's this, there's this power that I believe, and my, I believe that there's this hunger in men to, that there's this latent um, knowledge in them that sex has this mystical power. But there's no information really in our world today to validate that. So, and I'm not saying that they have this conscious understanding or that people walk around with this conscious awareness. But what I've seen working with with men in a in a therapy um, setting and so forth is there's this hunger for something that they can't quite their need can't be met. And I, I believe when I'm looking back to the experience that men had in ancient times was sex was not just something that they got got off a physical release with. It was something that when they went and visited the divine priestess at the temple and copulated with her, it elevated their soul. It shifted their frequency. And we know from brain science, that's a very real thing. We can talk about DMT and so forth later, but... Um, it's a very real thing. And so I believe that in, this is just my, my belief. I don't have any proof for it, but I believe that in our very cells lives this ancient knowledge. And somehow there's this memory in men's being and men's physical cellular memory 
of sex being this powerful shape-shifting experience, but they have no place to experience that here or that wisdom is not here. So they try to look for it in sex and they just go on Tinder and just screw a lot of women. Um, and it's almost like being hungry to have a really nutritious meal. Your body is craving the nutrients of a nutritious meal. And you don't have any awareness what your body is really wanting, just like they don't have any awareness what their soul is really looking for in sex. And so the person goes to a fast food restaurant and consumes a lot of calories, and then an hour later they're hungry. Well, the same thing. If you don't really if know that your soul is really wanting this divine experience, and you think, oh, it just wants to get off, and you go and you have sex, and... Um, Somehow, you know, your physical release happens, but there's a deeper part of you that is hungering. And so this is where, you know, people can get, become obsessive compulsive about sex. And in part of my training, I actually, unfortunately, did training in sexual addiction. I don't believe in sexual addiction anymore because the the, the whole thing that, that someone can, um, and I should qualify that, the brain can become addicted, absolutely. But what I disagree with more is the the shaming of the whole aspect of desire and having people try to suppress their desire because what research shows tells us is that when you try to suppress a thought, especially a, a the urge for sexuality, which is biologically driven, but it's also, I very much believe, spiritually driven. And it's not just my belief. There's lots that's written about that. That when you try to get someone to suppress that within them, it actually causes it to become more overpowering for them. So I don't know if that answered your question. Well, no, it's it's a fascinating discussion because what I was just thinking, okay, what you were describing was an innate ability for desire. And that's, that's really the first step is that desire. But in today's world, there really isn't a belief system about how to channel that or how that could be focused in a productive, loving way rather than an abuse of power and position to get that desire fulfilled. Is that what oh, I heard? Absolutely, yeah. And and unfortunately, Jenny Wade wrote a book um, called Transcendent Sex. And in the first part of that book, she mentions the fact that most people aren't aware that tantra and and most of most all of the other spiritual traditions, they sex may be talked about as a spiritual um, experience in the be in the beginning as an initiate or as a as a student of that particular spiritual practice is learning but after they have been in that tradition for any length of time the idea is to relinquish desire to overcome desire desire is taught to be the root of all suffering and to overcome the body and real spiritual enlightenment happens when you surpass all of that well what is unique to the teachings in the Gospel of Philip, which which date back to Jewish mysticism and also to Isis and Egypt and so forth, is that it's actually through the body and desire is not to be overcome. Desire is not the root of all evil. It is actually the gift from the divine and 
when you tap into that desire, there's tremendous power. And when you align with that desire, there's tremendous power. But if you don't have, this is why they had to go to mystery schools and become initiates for years before they um, really got into this whole thing, because it, it's, it, there's, there's tremendous power here on, um, on the unseen, on the un, in the unseen realm and also translates to our seen realm. And that if you just approach it from, I want, I have to have, this is mine, selfish ego, um, type of approach, then it, you can, I mean, sex can devastate another human being. I mean, sex is kind of like electricity. It can burn you. It can kill you. It can be very destructive. Or it can illuminate you and light you up. And if you misuse the energy, you can you can crush another person's soul. And, and that, like with, with sexual abuse, we know when someone is sexually violated, it's not just that they um, have had a bad sexual uh, physical experience. It actually does something to their to their spirit. You will see um, people having to spend sometimes years reconnecting to their you know fragmented soul because they just disconnected their their soul they've just um they've left their body to a certain extent so there's a lot of power here and we have lost the wisdom of how to as you said to be able to to see desire as something that is very powerful and that is god-given and rather than just immediately think or follow the belief that oh we have to over it has to be overcome well no this is all part of this tremendous life force energy that lives within us that animates all of life and tapping into it this is when we the law of attraction is all about this right the law of attraction is all about raising your frequency and the ancients knew that sex is is basically, and the, the Gospel of Philip says this too, the holiest of the holies, sex is like the ultimate, when it's properly understood and properly practiced, ultimate way to raise your frequency. Very nice. Oh my gosh, fascinating. This one, I, I just want to remind the listeners that you can find Dr. Jen's website at drjen.net and she's coming out with a book. There's some excerpts there on your website? Yeah, it's drjen.net forward slash book word slash book you can go and discover more i think that you can even connect with her via that website oh my gosh this hour has just flown by we have about five minutes left but i think lastly i want to entice people to understand what this can look like in their life right so if they incorporate sacred sex into their life and and get out of that mindset of the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, the seven-minute fulfillment that really leaves you unfulfilled. I mean, that's kind of what I heard you talking about today. Is, is it's it's a quick fix, but it doesn't fix it, right? right. It's it's kind of like, well, yeah. there there's many examples. So what does it what does it look like in our lives if we have and start to practice this sacred sex connection? Right. So when we're talking about raising a frequency, this is what it's all about. And when you're talking about conventional sex, that is an, a pleasurable experience, right? But it's located in a certain part of your body normally. And you feel you feel happy. You feel like, you know, it feels good. And, you know, you, there's, there's 
neurochemicals that go with the bonding that has to do with that and so forth. But it doesn't change you fundamentally. And what we're talking about with sacred sex and what was known in these mystery school teachings was it actually has the sacred sex actually has the capacity to shift your mind. And what this comes back to is something I mentioned early, earlier, and that is DMT. And don't ask me to pronounce that. It's like diet. I can't even pronounce it. Right. But it's this very, very long word. Right. And this is found in the plant medicine ayahuasca, but it's also something that can be manufactured in that pineal gland um, in the brain. And it's released when we're born and it's also released when we when we die. So it has the power to alter our consciousness, right? And uh, as I mentioned earlier, orgasm is known as little death in French. So with with sacred sex and with orgasm experience, we the the DMT in our pineal gland can be relate, released, and we can actually um, be have the experience of being in an altered state of consciousness. And the, as we as I said, when you when you die and you're born, you have this altered state. So there is this, and this has to do with the alchemical marriage that the um, goddess Isis and, and uh, the, the alchemical teachings were about um, way back when. So I understand we're near the end of our show, but it is a full body experience of you being an altered, a higher frequency that can shift you permanently into a greater ability to manifest, a greater ability to, um, there's a book, Stealing Fire, that's out right now, and it talks about um, the science behind this altered state theory and how we can take people who have PTSD and actually give them a experience of this altered state experience and it can shift um, PTSD and, and so forth. So, yeah. Very nice. Well, and I think what I was relating to is, is this, this type of sex, sacred sex, the, the big benefit is a longer, loving, oh, deeper relationship between a couple and in an understanding of each other. Well, what the Gospel of Philip says is when you are in this type of relationship with another person, it is a permanent bond. It's eternal, and it's not possible for now. I'm, I'm just basically relating what the Gospel says because you're so connected at a soul level the the relationship can't be disravel can't be um, disconnected because you are completely connected at soul level. Nice, there you have it. A, a great solution, I think, for a lot of ailments that society is experiencing today. And go out and discover more. I research more. I think that we're going to talk about this more on Life Mastery Radio, and I think that there is a really good solution for awakening our society's spiritual awareness. That's all we have time for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Leave some comments. Tell your friends about it. The podcast will be available on iHeartRadio later on today. Lastly, I would really like for you to make it a great day. It's all about choice. And there might be sacred sex on your horizon, so dig into it. Bye-bye for now. 
Thank you for tuning in to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and learn how to live a peaceful life. For more information on Todd and his guests, visit his website at www.lifemasteryradio.net. That's www.lifemasteryradio.net. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.